Hello and welcome to another episode of Gas It Out. We've got Colin Edwards coming up. Massive technical issues recording this one. So uh, Neil Hodgson's voice goes robotic at times. My internet dropped out on four or five occasions. Um, Colin, meanwhile, was absolutely bemused and oblivious to it. But uh, hopefully uh, it doesn't affect your listening experience too much. But we do apologise in advance. And of course, being Colin Edwards and Neil Hodgson, there's a few swear words, but it's actually not as bad as it might be. We didn't need to get the bleep button out too much. Not that we have one anyway. I mean, that'd be boring, wouldn't it? Enjoy. Welcome back to another episode of Gas It Out. Um, my name is Gavin Emmett on the other end of the internet connection. I'm hoping is Neil Hodgson. Hello, hello. I'm here, Gav. I thought you were about to do a trick on me then. Honestly, I, did, I, you know, I thought about I, it as I, well. Did it cross you, your mind? You know, just go. Yeah, and then I couldn't think of anything. So I just <laughs> shouted, I'm here, Gav. That's so crap, innit? <laughs> hey, oh, what a great one-liner. Go on, go on, say it again, Neil. I'm here, Gav. Uh, yeah, sorry. I don't know. I was going to try and do a robot voice for some reason. Oh, we could do, we then... can, I can do robot voice. I can turn you into a robot. There's a Dumb. setting on here. I can do that. Is there? Yeah. Don't bother. Um, are you you're outside again? But I've, at, I noticed that you appear to have shot the pigeon. Yeah, there's a pigeon around. I'm in the countryside. I went for a walk because at home, Vic is on conference calls all day. And she gets proper grumpy when I'm on the phone because, as she says in her words, you're deaf. Why do you shout all the time? Ah. Which... You know me well, Gal. Yeah, no, we no. are we are slightly deaf, aren't we? Though because of our bloody jobs. Completely. I've been been in and around bikes all our lives, and it's like I've been for hearing tests. I am, I'm quite deaf. In certain frequencies, same here. Right, um, yeah. we've got a problem on the computer. It has died on me, um, and it stopped recording. Mm. So give me two seconds. I wonder if the, the, no the no other problem. one is still recording. I think, but I might have to switch shut down and start again. Oh. I can't believe we're having no technical problem. issues. It's just so not like yeah. us, is it? Yeah. Who would have thought it? Episode seventeen. Oh God! And it's and it's episode uh, seventeen. Yeah, I just said that. I'm joking. Uh, that was my funny joke. <laughs> um, but um, about unlucky number in Italy. You know, like they don't have a number thirteen oh, right. on British Airways. Well, they didn't used yeah. to. They do now. Uh, they don't have a number seventeen in Italy on Alitalia. I did not know that. There we are. Oh, there Fact go. of the day. Uh, right, I'm going to have to uh, stop and start again. Okay. Uh, because it says the disc is too slow. Right. I don't know what that means, but obviously something's no. happening. So, two seconds. No um, does that sound louder when I go... Oh, there we are. It's almost... It's just switched itself on. How weird. How weird. That is weird. Uh, anyway, it appears that everything's going now. Um, so, where were we anyway? Before we were interrupted technically. Yeah, where were we? Um... Oh, you've been sent out. You've been sent out, haven't you? By Vic into the garden. Oh, yeah, because I'm deaf. Yeah. Mutton so Jeff. A... Yeah, completely there. But, yeah, we, we we don't fall out much, me and Vic, as you know. We got on really well. But I tell you what, if Lutz could kill occasionally when I'm talking loud <laughs> and she's on the phone. Or the worst one that I've been doing recently, and I genuinely mean this, I've not done it on purpose, but she's, she's warned me about it. What I do is we've got a downstairs toilet 
and I do piss like a racehorse, and it's loud, and I've got the door open, and she's on a I bet I can imagine you doing it right down the middle of the pan. Yeah, but I don't. But what happens? Why don't like, you go for the sides? No, I know, but listen, last week, so I did it by, mis- by mistake. You know, I held my hand up. I walked out. She well, you held your hand up. Ooh, what are we doing with the other one? <laughs> <laughs> but I could, like, if looks could have killed when I walked out from the toilet, she just looked at me to go, you absolute dick. Right, so <laughs> f- fair enough. No, fair enough. And I, and I went, oh, sorry, sorry. Right, I promise you this happened about two hours later. Something happened and I was rushing around and I thought, oh, I need to pee. And as literally, as soon as it hit the water, I, re- I thought, oh, God. And do you know what? She slammed the toilet door behind me. It did make me laugh. I, I did mean, put it on purpose. I know you're yeah, oblivious. Just absolutely oblivious, aren't you? Do you know what? I used to share a room with Simon Crafer when we did track days uh, for focused events back in the day. And he'd go to bed before me. Don't say anything. Obviously, he must go to bed early. So we were sharing a room. And he was like, I can't do his accent because he's got a South African, uh, a New Zealand uh, accent. And I'm, but he's like, man, man, because he speaks soft. Yeah. And he's like, man, you piss loud. You piss loud. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so what I started doing to like sort of make him laugh, but also wind him up a little bit, was when I'd come in, obviously I'd be a bit leathered. So I'd, I'd stand on the toilet. So then it was even like a bigger drop down. So it was even louder. Wait, whoa, 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 wait a second. Explain the physics of this. Because the higher you are, the louder it's going to be. So, so you're, you're going up, for the, you're if you're doing it from a high-rise building. Like exactly. You do it, you stand on the sink if needs be, just to get higher. I, I wouldn't go that far, because obviously, yeah, but imagine that. I'd side of the bath. Seen, like, yeah, I'd do, I'd do side of the bath. But like, if you could see, bear in mind, I'd be like five pints in, so I'd be past the sweet spot, trying to aim into the toilet just to wake Simon up. Yeah. Oh, um, how we laughed. I wonder yeah. why, he, when he stopped, he never really, when he stopped doing the track days, he never really texted me again. Uh, but anyway, funny yeah. that, isn't Fun, it? Funny. funny um, yeah. um, you're getting a little bit of drop out of your uh, signal. I don't know whether you're far away right. from anything. Well, I've got 4G. Yeah. I, no, no, but it might, yeah. it's just like this 4G is lower or something. I don't know. It was, oh, just, right. it was just dropping out a little bit, but. We'll do, I mean, we've got where we are. I, I do apologise for our technical issues. I'm having a nightmare with my computer. Keep saying it's going to crash. Uh, Neil's on his phone in the garden because uh, he's being kicked out for being too loud. And you know, I'm actually in the field next to my house. To be honest, oh, in the field next. He's in the field next to his house. So you can understand why yeah. that might drop out here and there. Sat on, sat on, sat on a tree stump with my shirt off. Obviously, with the shirt off. I mean, but yeah. you understand that's what he deals in. He deals in. Um, practicing photo shoots um, I I deal in basically nothing technical so I, there were a couple of people on the last podcast with Lucho said it was a bit loud in the background I thought I'd, I thought I'd done a good job at mitigating it to be honest but obviously I didn't so I do apologise but we do our best don't we Neil that's all we're here to do yeah we do, we do. Yeah, with limited resources and major lack of intelligence yeah exactly from um, both parties and um, talking of major lack of intelligence, let's talk about our guest today, Neil, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which he would laugh about. Uh, obviously, we work closely with um, Colin Edwards at BT now, but um, we all, I mean, I've known Colin since he came into Grand Prix, but you'll know him from since long before that, Neil. Yeah, I think I first got to know him in 1996 
when he was factory Yamaha World Superbike rider back then. Um, do you know what, Colin? Obviously, you, you, you know this about him. Colin's always been the same. What, what he was back then is what he is now. So in the height of his fame, he never changed. He's always been just a laid-back Texan who doesn't really care about much. Not in a horrible way. He's just, he's just so laid back. I can't believe how fast he was on two wheels. I can't believe how successful he is because the person we know is not, uh, doesn't appear to be uh, obsessively driven. He's just a dude. I'm just, he's just happy, isn't he? He's not, think, like, a, he's not like a Ben Bostrom laid back Californian. No, but I think just, the way you said it to me once, which was quite good, he goes, Colin never. He never goes on about how good he was. He never, he never goes Ever. on about how because he he made some decent money because he had some good contracts. Really. Never goes on about the stuff that he's got. He never. Ever. Uh, just he does he. He just doesn't. It's like you wouldn't know it if you didn't know him. He, he's just the bloke who likes a beer and likes to ride some bikes sometimes. Yeah, and he, and, and I don't know if he'd mind me saying this, but to say he's, he's scruffy. I don't want. I don't want to be. I want to insult you. You might have to explain what he, scruffy was. I don't know whether that translates. Yeah, into... but he, he just like he just doesn't care. So he, he'll have the same pair of jeans on his head for five years because, well, they're comfy, aren't they? They're all right. Yeah, you know and, what I mean. He's just... what, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Is that kind of mentality, yeah. isn't it? He's he's superb to work with, isn't he? Because no, because he, of all yeah. those traits, he's just he's just easy. Yeah, completely. Uh, right, we know him well, obviously, and uh, so let's give him a call. Right now, it's just going to be like a catch-up because I haven't spoken to him since lockdown started. So uh, let's see what Cole's got to say. I'd expect the first line to be, dude! <laughs> yeah. What up? Right, calling him live. <laughs> let's see if this works. Oh, that took a roundabout route. A route, a roundabout route. That's what I say in America, Neil. <laughs> what route are you taking? Yeah. What's the one? Is it in Japan where we have the. Um, in shortly, yeah. shortly after, in 100 yeah. meters. Good meters. Yo. 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 Yo, yo, yo. <laughs> you all there? Yeah, can you hear us? I got you loud and clear. How are you? Good, mate. Just working away, moto dad shit, changing <laughs> oil, top ends, and all that good stuff. Are you in the hey. are you in the garage then? Are you are you fettling? Yeah, I'm at the boot camp in the shop. Brilliant. And you have become motocross dad, haven't you, Colin? Now? Yeah, full on, dude. Full on. We got mo. I got. Two brand new bikes shipped here last week. Stripped them all apart. Motors sent off. Suspension sent off. I mean, it's swing arm sent off. It's crazy. Where did it all go wrong? Because you always said, I am not going to be that guy. Man, I wish I knew. (laughs) (laughs) But I think, honestly, I mean, Hayes has always been into moto. Um I think he was just kind of scared to tell me he wanted to go race, to be honest. I mean, not that he should be scared, but he, you know, just the way that I talked about it, I guess. I don't thought, know, Colin, maybe... I'd be scared if I had to tell you. I'd be scared. <laughs> I've seen your armory. <laughs> I'd be, I'd be so, how old's Hayes now? 
He uh, just turned, well, 14, yeah, 14 and a half. And so what's the plan now? Is he, because obviously I know how fast he is on the, he has been around your ranch now, but now you go motocrossing. What's he doing? Is he competing? Uh, yeah, we went and raced this past weekend, and he's running right up there with the front guys. Finished, uh, I think he got two-thirds, but the two guys in front of him were literally right there. And it's, it was his fourth race. Are we talking? Are we talking like national level then? They're the top guys, as in like, if you were to do Loretta's or something like that, it's the top men. Points. Yeah, yeah. And he's he's top three. Yeah, yeah. Oh. He's, I'm, I'm telling you, dude. His his level is freaking nuts. I told him back in November. I said I'll take you public when you can beat me, and that lasted about two weeks. <laughs> yeah. that, that's a confident dad you're thinking well, he, ain't gonna, he ain't gonna smoke me for ages so that's gonna buy me some time wrong yeah no it's nuts man we got building super mini bikes and you know fortunately obviously we were thinking about going to a ktm or a husky because the unit is seems to be a better unit stock but uh yamaha kind of stepped up to the plate and helping us out a whole bunch so that's well, okay. yeah can I just explain to everybody that's listening, like the best motocross riders in the world normally come from America and the amateur level, the schoolboy level is so high, so competitive for, for Hayes, Colin's son, who's like Colin's just said, just getting into it. Obviously he's rode motorbikes all his life, but to be at that level already is off the scale. It's amazing. It means, basically it means he's already in a position where he could get signed up by a factory team and get paid. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. Get absolutely. paid, Colin. How good's that? <laughs> I know, dude. Come on with it. I, my damn, my bank account's dwindling. Obviously, I'm not working. So, come on with it. <laughs> Brilliant. That's I, awesome. We've seen, haven't we, Neil? How fast he is at the boot camp too, around that place. Um, I, he, I, he's I nearly had him. I give had over. Him. <laughs> he's been not smoking either. people there for ages. <laughs> oh man, he's he's been killing us for the last I don't know year and a half. Two years, I mean, nobody can touch him. I think he just got bored with it and said, you guys are a bunch of squirrels. I'm going to go do something else. <laughs> <laughs> That's so um, how is it at the boot camp? Have you, because obviously things have been different in terms of lockdown. I don't know what it's been like in, t- in coming out of it. I think you've been able to come out of it a bit earlier than us over in the States or particularly in, in Texas anyway. So what's the situation now uh, in terms of, you know, are you, allowed yeah. to, are you allowed to start getting people over? Or is it allowed to run? Um, we're still not sure of that, to be honest with you. Right. I mean, we, we've had more or less boot camps been on lockdown. It's been our, our own personal little sanctuary that we can come and kind of ride and, and, uh, still stay active. But I'm not sure to be honest, we have a, we have a mad dog event that we're going to run June 6th. Mm. So we're kind of hoping that we won't get any trouble from, um, you know, I don't know, police or whatever it, it's, they haven't said specifically said we can't do it they haven't said we can do it so we're going to do the social distancing thing obviously but everybody's just hungry to get here everybody wants to come and play and ride their bikes uh, i think everybody's tired of this covid thing on saying that it's like i think today or yesterday was the highest amount of cases we had in texas so far so i don't right. know what the hell's going on. and how many was that colin do you know the figure oh maybe a hundred or something like that right yeah, it's worrying times. I think everywhere for everyone, isn't it, around the world? And uh, who knows? Who knows what the, the situation is or how it's going to improve or whatever. But uh, when it's a business that you run as well, Colin, that that yeah. brings a whole new factor in, doesn't it? 
Yeah, it does. And, you know, obviously government's trying to help everybody out and, and, you know, spreading money out so people can survive. But the way my business is structured, everybody's kind of under contract. So I don't have employees per se. It's uh, so, yeah, I'm just sitting here draining the funds and waiting for this to get over. Yeah, I think there's so many people. For those who don't know, for those who don't know, Colin, Colin, um, we're talking about the Texas Tornado Boot Camp that Colin obviously set up after his career. Oh, was it towards the end of your career that actually got it going? Um, yeah, um, it was, uh, our first camp was uh, March 24, 2011. So I still right. had another three years in me after that. Okay, yeah. So that's, it's just uh, about an hour to the north of Houston. Is that fair? That's yep. that's the rough rough uh, idea, yep. and we've been uh, I've been about two or three times. It's such a great, such a great time to be had, isn't it, Neil? What I mean, what a place to have in your yeah, backyard. It's, it's amazing, and, and I'm sure Colin will back me up. Gav, you're such a natural. Like, you know <laughs> what a, what a, what a wasted talent. You know so you've been natural. a presenter all these years, but you could have been the man actually racing. Yeah. Do, do you feel like you've wasted your time, Gav? I do. I do. You know, I feel like uh, I was I was made to uh, I was made to turn left. Gav, Gav's one of them. When you see him on a dirt bike, you look at him and you think you definitely should stick to golf. You know, it's just... <laughs> I'll back you up on that. Yeah. A, a quick question. Colin, which is um, going off on a tangent. I know you um, okay, conversations you thought you'd never have. I know we don't want to like get into details with too much detail with politics. And I know you're sort of you're pro-Trump, and that's all great. Every each to their own. What do you think though when he does some of these bizarre interviews and says so, he said some dumbass stuff? He said some some not so dumb stuff, but like the stuff about the bleach or disinfectant or something. What do you feel like as a like? Hang on, this guy's bloody leaving our country. It's slightly embarrassing. <laughs> Um, you know, like you said, to each his own. I, I think you have to look at the whole big picture and look at uh, who could potentially take his place, and that looks even more scary. So, yeah, kind of don't really have a choice at this time. But yeah, you know, some dumb dumb stuff comes out every now and then. But take it with a grain of salt. I think I think he's just being a comedian and, and being funny about it. Yeah, is his hair is his hair real or what is what's going on with his hair? <laughs> we don't know. Yeah, man, it looks kind of unreal. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure about that one. It's not Keith Ewan level, but it's, you know, it's... <laughs> you know. I can't believe you're digging Keith out again. Again, Neil. That's the second time in about three podcasts now. It's out of order. Oh, um, you know I love Keith. You, you can take the piss out of your mates. Exactly. Um, hey, so what's going on with you guys? Are y'all on like permanent lockdown? Can y'all leave the house or what's going yeah, on? Yeah, well, it's starting to ease up a little bit here now. You, as much as you can, you're supposed to stay home. But if you if you can't work from home, you're supposed to go out there. Um, and uh, but you know, we, we for us guys, obviously, just like you, there's no bike racing there's no tv job to go to so they're not paying us to, to do nothing you know so uh yeah we're in that that sort of situation but it looks like we might get going in uh, middle of july would you think that's possible it, it sounds more and more likely doesn't it that that something's happening there well yeah fill me in what is the what is the deal i mean i've heard a little bit but it's so wishy-washy i just don't know what's true well because now in even in the uk uh, they say professional sport can sort of start getting going if everything's all social distancing respected from june a lot of it behind closed doors and it's a similar sort of story in spain and italy so an application has been made uh, to the spanish government by dorna to have back-to-back -back grand prix in jerez 
one weekend to the next and then follow it the, with a, a round of the World Superbikes the following week. So three weekends in a row, two for oh. Grand Prix, one for World Superbike. That's still to be approved by the Spanish government, but the, the Spanish sporting department or association, I, I, like the, I don't know, the Olympic Committee or something, they're behind it and the local government down there in South Spain, Andalusia, are behind it. So... By all yeah. accounts, it's going ahead. You know, Rossi's been, Valentino's been out on his ranch. I've just seen um, Mark and Alex Marquez have been out motocrossing. So you're allowed to, if you're a professional sportsman, you're allowed to train now if you do it yeah. responsibly. So okay. I, I, it seems like it, it might happen to me. Hodgie was a complete no at start. You've changed your mind, haven't you, Neil? Yeah, well, you know, like like I've said before, I'm quite fickle anyway. I change my mind really <laughs> quickly. So, uh, But, I, you know... I, you can imagine though, like a month ago, I was like, no, there's no way nothing's going to happen. But yeah, it's yeah. looking a lot more positive. And now I'm, I'm a genuine believer that it's going to happen in July because everybody that I've spoke to that would know said, yeah, they're going to, they're going to make it happen. So, so I'm, ass I'm assuming that's just basically essential. The people that have to be there. You exactly. know? Yeah. We won't yeah. be going. Yeah. No TV. Go. Yeah. No TV stations will be going. Well, they only probably, oh, well, obviously Dorna. You Team know. personnel and the, obviously Dorna to, to run the run the show, but also the camera operators. So there is a because there's no fans on site, so they have yeah. to. The main thing is the TV, so they're going to have to have the full coverage because you know otherwise um, nobody's going to see it. Um, yeah. And, that, and and we know that it's all a big circle, isn't it in the in the sport anyway. So um, yeah, and in terms of the teams, no hospitalities. Um, Lucha Chequinello was saying just strip down their number of staff. To, to the bare minimum so oh hey i was talking to uh paul sanon the other day and he mentioned i think maybe two or three hospitalities are going to be there is what they're talking about yeah just to feed everybody it's to feed people is a kind of cantini yeah. sort of thing yeah yeah okay uh, but but uh, david abrivio was saying that effectively people would be confined to your garage like your, your team becomes your family almost yeah. and so you you come to the racetrack you go to the garage and that's it you, you have your lunch in there you leave at the end of the day and and you all stay in your own hotel and that sort of thing so uh, it's going to be a weird one yeah it is Colin yeah, have you that still seems risky though I don't know you're getting together with a bunch of guys you don't know where they've been and, and they're all being tested as well uh, okay four days before the, the start of the weekend and during the weekend and then after the weekend and temperature checks every day that kind of thing Okay. All right. No, that's interesting, isn't it? Have you, how have you found it, though, Colin? Because you've been travelling the world since 96, I think. Yeah. Oh, sorry, no, 95. So you, and now you're at home full time. Obviously, we'd all had winter, and then we expected to start working and travelling. Have you, has it been a blessing? Has it been better than you thought? Obviously, you've had more time to spend with Hayes, which is important. Why have you taken it? Yeah, it's, uh, it's weird. I mean, I miss it a little bit, uh, you know. The, my wife, she misses it a lot. She's like, get the hell out of here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's been, as far as hanging out with, with the family and, you know, we still get to, we can go out on the boat. That's social distancing uh, with your family. So we've been on the boat out in the lake and uh, obviously riding lots of time with Hayes and the kids. So it's, that part's been a blessing for sure. Um, and I, I, I make a joke about it, but Hayes, there's going to be a time when he gets on the podium and he's going to say, 
Yeah, I want to thank my mom and dad and all my sponsors. And COVID-19 made me fast as hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because all he's been doing is riding, 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 instead of going to school. So he's, yeah. he's had plenty of time. What about the baseball, though? Has that stopped? Yeah, stopped. He, uh, wow, he's, he's serious. Not, he, he's not a team sport player, man. He, uh, yeah. <laughs> it just, you know, he'd been doing that. He, but when he, actually, when he was playing baseball, like, was he a pitcher, though? Because that it all yeah, it was, all feeds in. <laughs> yeah, he was a pitcher, uh, a shortstop. I mean, he was one of the better players on the team. But I don't know, man. He's just he's done what I did in motocross. Basically, from age three to fourteen, I motocross got burnt out. He played baseball in that amount of time and just got burnt out. Yeah, so yeah. It's uh, you know the the practice and heat and sitting around for two hours at practice. He just, he did, he was over it. Do you know what, Colin? It's funny when you, you to, to hear you talk and we were talking about you before you came on, sorry to say, but we were saying all nice things, obviously, but we were all saying, always saying how laid back you always seem to us and how you come across and you're humble and you never go on to us about what you achieved in your career, so on and so forth. But, you know, since retiring, you've kept things going uh, in fact, you were test riding for quite a while, still working on that. You've done all the TV stuff with us. You've done stuff in the States uh, uh, as well. You've got the boot camp. You're, still, you, you're so driven, yet to meet you and to, to talk to you, you, we wouldn't have known it. Do you, do you recognise that, that you're an ambitious, driven sort? You obviously were to win your two world championships as well. I'm not saying that, but how do you, how do you see yourself? If that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, it's, uh, I haven't been diagnosed yet, but <laughs> I definitely have some sort of OCD. Uh, once I get shown a path, uh, I'm wide open. I don't, uh, I don't really know how to sit on the couch and do nothing. So, and, and you know, I mean, it was golf, it was uh, ping pong, uh, motocross. I mean, you name it, wakeboard and went wakeboard one day, bought a boat the next day. So it, I kind of, when I get onto things and now it's moto dad, fix some bikes and go to the racetrack. I mean, that's, that's, to be honest, that path, the path I'm on now is probably the one I've been waiting for, uh, to support my kid and go out to the races. But yeah, I mean, as far as everyday life, we all put our pants on one leg at a time. I don't, uh, I don't see any reason <laughs> to be anything other than laid back. <laughs> Um, um, obviously, when you started, you said you talked about uh, there how you got burnt out motocrossing because it was it a quite a late switch to road racing, or was that just the, the sort of age you did that when you, you switched yeah. over in the states and then you were riding two fifties or whatever you were doing? Yeah, well, it was it was a weird it was a weird time to be honest because I was fourteen, four foot eleven, eighty five pounds. I mean, I was a little sky on the grid and just was getting my butt kicked, uh, even though. Talent-wise, I was probably one of the top three or four in the country. Um, and just got, I mean, that practicing every day, forgetting to wash your gear, putting on a smelly helmet every day. And it was like, ugh, it, uh, it clean filters, try to get homework done, wash the bike. I mean, all this stuff. It was just full-time jobs. So, um, And then, yeah, I played tennis for a couple of years. And then my dad, senior, he had a plan. He's like, hey, let's go look at the uh, road races and just go check it out. Thought, okay, went out there and a guy that I was mopping the floor with motocross and he was winning a road race. I thought, well, that's weird. I mean, if he can do it, I know I can give it a go. So the rest is kind of history. So. But, <laughs> you got, but you got snapped up quickly. I mean, you went from like zero to hero 
Like, I don't remember you ever being slow. Like, yeah. You, just tell us quickly about those first years. What, like, the, you know, like the progression of what happened. Yeah, we did. Uh, you know, I got my license in '90 at the end of '90 in September, and uh, and then '90, I, I wanted to go straight to expert because I was already, like you said, fast. Kind of figured it out pretty quick. And the Connie brothers here, she said in our local club, she said, just stay novice for one year. I promise you, just it'll be better. And I went that whole year and just went undefeated. And I'd start in the second wave of the novice class and win the ex, you know, pass all the experts and, and win overall. So, and it's, uh, you know, that's on a CBR 600. Um, we didn't have anything done to it. We had an exhaust on it. So it, and then obviously OTS, uh, Mr. Clementich, he had an RC30, a TZ250. He saw some talent in me and he said, hey, come ride these bikes. Uh, they need to be ridden. I got them. And it kind of, that's, you know, I had a bit of luck with that also. And then just did that year undefeated, and, and uh, we started that 250 program. My dad did in uh, 92. Yamaha helped us out a lot, and, and then it just went, kept going from there. But, yeah, you're right. I, I was never really slow. Um, I just picked it up pretty quick. And is that when you were teammates with uh, Kenny Roberts Jr.? Uh, we weren't teammates, but, yeah, he was on uh -huh. he was on his team, and I was teammates with Chris DeLucio. Um, All right. But yeah, we had Jimmy Felice was riding that year, Rich Oliver. I mean, there was that that two fifty year was a pretty stacked year. Did you win, Colin? Oh yeah, yeah. I think I won five out of the nine races, won the yeah. championship. Yeah, just Not saying. Bad. Not bad. <laughs> <laughs> but then obviously by was it ninety five then you you were ended up and you'd gone over to World Superbikes and uh, plugged away at that yeah. with uh, Yamaha for for a while. Um, I'm just looking at it from where World Superbike is now. How what was it like back then? Um, man, it was awesome. I mean, I loved it. It's uh, still when I look back at my time in Europe. I mean that not not necessarily '95 because we were kind of traveling around in the car. But '96 kind of had my feet wet. We had a motorhome. Uh, that '96 to 2002. Those are years that are hard to beat. Uh, the World Superbike Paddock was just so much fun. I mean, you know, Haji knows we'd all get around, barbecue, and travel with each other from race to race, stop off at a campsite. I don't know. It was just, it was a lot of fun. And who was who was it then you were hanging out with? Who was who were the people you'd you'd hook up with when you were you know, in between races over in Europe? Oh, gosh. Um, Carl Muggeridge. Uh, ben Bostrom, um, honestly, uh, Peter Goddard a bit, uh, Haji a bit. We all just kind of, like I said, we all had our girlfriends or wives and everybody kind of, it was a big family atmosphere. And, and do, you know, do you know what? I've said this before, Gavin, and I'm sure you've heard this one before. It was weird at the time because Colin was so fast and I was struggling and I was training and I was trying to be, always trying to make myself better in some way shape or form and colin did nothing but he did what i mean is he didn't do the you know you i wouldn't see him out running or doing conventional training routines he was always active so we'd be playing tennis or like rock climbing or whatever and and i'd always see colin drinking beer and i'd be like no well, no i'm not i was obsessed like just weirdo <laughs> So I've been going through a period of not drinking because I thought that was going to make me faster, which, by the way, if anyone's listening, it doesn't. Just drink. <laughs> just drink. Because it's, it's, it's all bullshit. It, 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 
it's, it's all bullshit. It's, you know, um, but Colin never got sucked into any bullshit. He just looked like he had a good time. And the more relaxed he was, the more beer he drank. You get to the track on, you know, you, you get, you'd arrive at the track having been on campsites. And that free practice one, he'd be one and a half seconds faster than everybody else. And you'd be like, you bastard. You hey, absolutely. It definitely it's recovery, isn't it? It's recovery. You need all those important minerals and uh, vitamins that there is in beer. That much is, is is definitely certain. Uh it clicked, didn't it, really, when you switched to Honda though, in in World Superbikes. Was was that was the Yamaha I I can't remember that time. Was the Yamaha program not um, you know, funded, it, right? it wasn't it wasn't bad the Yamaha program to be honest. Um, but we had had obviously we we're on Dunlops. We were on a three or four year old bike, but we had the bike so jacked up we had to run like a twenty one offset just to get any weight on it. I mean, it was just weird how you had to set that thing up to to race it. In saying that, I mean, me and Noriyuki Haga, we won the eight hour on it in uh, 96. So the bike, it wasn't bad, but it was just hard to compete with the Michelin's Honda Ducati. Uh, it, was, it was tough. And was, but was the eight hour bike better than the super bike, which you normally see? Wait, I missed that. Say again. Sorry, was the eight hour bike though better than the actual world super bike bike you using because you know it's like you've yeah i wouldn't the, i wouldn't say the, the eight hour factories oh yeah Just, i wouldn't you're dropping out a bit neil sorry i think sorry. colin's got the same as me <laughs> it's a bit robot. i wouldn't say i wouldn't say the eight hour bike was any better it was obviously bigger and heavier um but me and nori set it up together and, and it seemed to work but the I think the biggest thing with the World Superbike Yamaha is obviously tire situation. We, we struggled with, uh, you know, that Kobe earthquake, I think, was in 94. And it kind of jacked up the Dunlop plant that was making the good tires uh, for, for Dunlop. And, and we, we struggled for a few years with that. What was it like being teammates with Harga there then? Because like, mm. he's, he's wild. Like then he was a raw talent, wasn't he? Remember when he first burst onto the scene? Yeah, yeah, he was he was something else. Was a quick story about Nori. I was supposed to be teammates in '96 with Yoshikawa, which was my World Superbike teammate, and we went there testing. And I saw this kid on the, you know, All Japan team out there testing with us, and he is smoking the rear tire, sliding it in. I mean, just you know his style. He was just wild. Um, and I actually went to uh, Mr. EO that, after that, and I said, you know what? I'm just sitting here thinking me and him would probably be better teammates than me and Yoshikawa because I know Yoshikawa sets the bike up. So we swapped bikes at that test just so I could ride his. He could ride mine. And I said, yeah, the, the, the rear of this one feels really good, better than mine. And <laughs> Hago come in. He goes, the front of this bike is amazing. feels really good. So – like you do, which never works, we put his rear and my front together and combine them, and it worked like a champ, believe it or not. So that's that was kind of our setting, and we went with it. When was, was that before he'd done a wild card in Grand Prix? Because I remember he had, I'm sure he had a wild card, didn't he, somewhere in Suzuki? Yeah, he did. Where he's like burst he onto did. the scene, and you're like, was that before or after? 
Oh, we can't hear you, Neil. Unfortunately, yeah. I don't know if you can hear me. It's um, it's you've yeah, you've, that, you've turned in. You've turned into uh, what you call it. Ninety-eight. <laughs> Sounds so, like R two D two. It does, yeah. It's like something off of Doctor Who. All right. So I don't know Sorry about that. To. It's all right. Don't worry about it. We'll... I haven't moved, Gav. I'm in I know. The same I know. Place. We'll, we'll just we'll just cut you out. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be better for it. It'll be a good podcast. <laughs> uh, but Hag, yeah, what a character of a of a rider. Anyway, though, you both have stories about Nori. Blimey, I remember. I only remember him uh, from when he came over to Grand Prix in 2001. We had him at, when we were showing the 2001 season at the weekend, and I was thinking, "Wow, there is what an absolute character he was on and off the bike." Oh man, he was awesome. Yeah, he. Uh, I just saw him at that uh, that Akrapovich deal that we did last year. Um, he came. He came and uh, had dinner with us. Still looks the same. He's supporting his kids racing as well. But yeah, back then he uh, he wasn't scared to have a drink and get a little loopy as well. <laughs> Sunday come Sunday night, it was uh, we always had some good times. Is he involved in so, racing now? Still, is he still? I think his his uh, both of his kids are racing in the uh, Italian Championship. All right, that's random. Yeah, he was in Milan. He had a little sushi restaurant in Milan there. I don't know if he still does, but I know he did a couple of years ago. Wow. Amazing. I know you'd always see him out of the back of the, like, by the motorhomes with a cigarette in his hand, dude. And I couldn't, could never get my head around that. I'm like, wow, he even smokes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Whilst I was weighing my milk out, well, obviously it was soy milk. You know what I mean? Like, what the hell? <laughs> and, it was, and, and it wasn't just tobacco. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. By, by all accounts, <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> Just back it up That's with that. Another story That's for another podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, at that time, obviously, uh, Colin, you went on and you won the championship um, with a gap in between, and you had you were in a fierce battle at the time with Troy Bayliss in particular. Um, yeah. Everyone always goes on about 2002 Imola that that showdown, which was a cracking race. Every time anyone watches it, it was a season of two halves. But I wonder how did you and Troy get on at the time, or not? Yeah, we did. That that was the that was the best thing about that year. Uh, you know, we uh, we always got along really good. There was there was never any uh, animosity or any crack. You know, jokes at any other's expense type thing. We we were just two guys out there trying to do the business, and and, and we got along fine. Yeah, I wouldn't say we were friend friends like go hang out and have dinner, but. You know, come Sunday night, everybody was hanging out, having a beer, and BSing about the race that day. And what? And what about after Imola, <laughs> two thousand and two? You know, I mean, and that was that. I, I saw just a little clip. I forget, obviously, the moment, but the amount of times that me and him hugged, you know, after the race was over, just congratulating each other. I would have done the same uh, if he would have won. It was. It was just a special weekend, a fun weekend. I think we we're just both happy to be a part of it. And it was it was one of those where it was a season of two halves in two thousand and two in particular, wasn't it? But that that seemed to happen a lot in those days in World Superbike, where where someone yeah, would dominate one half of the year and someone would find something halfway through. Or yeah, and that's that's basically it. You know, we had with Honda, we had to wait till the eight hour was over. You know, right. once the eight hour was over, then they would they would ship us a few parts. But that was 
you know, I would say it was mid-season, but it was a little after mid-season, usually whenever uh, the eight-hour was, and, and we get some upgrades, and that year we got exhaust and some engine mapping. We got a few little bits and bobs that I just remembered Osterslaven that year coming out of the last corner in the first practice, and Bayless was in front of me, and I couldn't pass him all year. I mean, I'd sit behind him, draft him, go get out of the draft, and just get right back in the draft. I, I just could not pass him up to this point. And um, I remember coming out of the last corner, got in his draft, went by him, looked over at him, and I thought, oh, man, your ass is grass. I got you now. Colin, was there like a special front tire that you found? You were doing a lot of testing at Michelin at their test tube. Yeah. So is that, was that an old wives' tale? Yeah, no, no, no. That's, that's absolutely true. We were uh, – Man, we, I'd show up at Claremont for on at Michelin, Michelin, and we'd, do, we'd have 30 front tires. And we were complaining a little bit the year before because you remember Bostrom went on that, like, six-race winning spree. Um, the Dunlops were working really good, like at Silverstone, I think at Brands. And we were complaining that the Dunlop front was so much better than the Michelin. So I showed up one day, and uh, they had 30 fronts for me to test, and they had bought two Dunlops and put them in the middle somewhere. I was in a tent, had shade, and they had the front of the bike outside the tent, and they would never let me look at it. I'd just get on and blind test and go cut four laps, come in, say, whatever, that feels similar to the other one. Most Dunlops they put in at like 12 and 21 or whatever it was, and both of them, I was like, that's not a Michelin. And I can tell you right now, that's not a Michelin. Y'all don't, y'all don't know how to build that kind of shit. <laughs> Brilliant. But it was so much better. It was good. So then they went, engineered a, a front, softer casing, basically. But the one that I liked, it was the harder you broke, the harder you hit the front brake, the more it would turn in. And it would just squish down, put a big contact patch on the ground. It was there for all the Michelin guys to ride if they wanted. And, and they tried it. And Bayless tried it. He hated it. Um, so, but yeah, it worked good on our bike. I tried it. Oh. I tried it the following year when I was on uh, Michelin tires, and oh, uh, yeah? I, I remember being all excited. Yeah, because I remember being excited, thinking I'm going to get this special front tire and I'm going to be so fast. And we put we put it in, and I'm like, oh my god, that's horrible. It's funny, <laughs> isn't it? If it's yeah, funny. I don't think it didn't work with the Ducati. That that tire, because the Ducati was our was a little bit looser, anyways, flex compared to the Honda. So. Uh, we need we needed that flex in the tire with the Honda. Do you yeah. know what? It always amazes me to hear you talk about both of you talk about tires and the feeling. I know Colin, you did so much tire testing throughout your career, a lot, a lot of it. Uh, Neil, you always say it's the most one of the most mind or one of the most <laughs> boring things that you ever had to do. But yeah. just the, it's the hearing you talk about feel and that and that feel through the the front tire and and trying to put that into how do you put that into layman's terms? How it comes. Where you get that feeling from? Is it through your hands? Is it through your body, or just the way the bike's turning? Because it seems so. It seems so alien to me. Yeah, it's everything, really. I mean, seat of the pants. It, I always like to, in layman's terms, put it this way: when, when you when you throw it in the corner and you're looking wherever you're looking, if the bike's not going where you're looking, there's something wrong. You got to figure something out. Figure out how to get more weight here, or less weight, or and then you're feeling what it's doing in the handlebars, um, seat of the pants, what it's doing. So, yeah, it's where the engine revs are at that time, if it's dragging or too free. So there's a 
ton of different things that you got to throw in there. Um, but it is just feel, you know, and it's, and that's just from lap after lap after lap of getting your bike dialed in When you get your bike dialed in, then you start throwing tires at it. Yeah. Cause your bike's got to be in the right place. You hated it, didn't you, Neil? Um, no, I didn't, I, I didn't absolutely hate it because when you were racing, if you got the chance to tire test, yeah. it was like an honor in a way, because you were then in a, meant you, it meant you were in a really strong position where you could like the perfect example is Colin found a tire that worked perfect for him. And then he could use that. So when I did some tire testing with Michelin, it was it, like, say it was an honor. It was hard. You know what I mean? It, it, yeah. it, and it's mind numbing, but you're always thinking, just imagine if this next tire, they put in, I can break a fraction later, but still make it into the apex and get the bike stood up even earlier and the lap times quicker. So I didn't like it as much. I did some in 2007 with Bridgestone on the MotoGP bike. I did a lot and they had me doing, because then I wasn't uh, obviously MotoGP or anything. So I did all the shit, what I call shit, shit tire testing, which was hard. And that's like, right, we need you to do a race run on that, you know, that front tire, mm. then on that front tire. One time in, um, I can't remember which, one of the tracks in Germany, we tested wet tires because the Michelin wanted to make sure that the wet, uh, they wanted to know how long a wet tire would last on a drying track. So it was the middle of summer. So they wet the track completely. They, we had, they had like these two tractors just spilling water out everywhere. The water, the water, by the way, was really dirty as well. So uh, anyway, so they wet all the track and then you'd, you just, I had to ride round until basically the tire blew up, which was uh, not very safe. But, um, but actually that was a bit of fun because then it felt like Gary McCoy because it was easy to slide. But yeah, they had you doing all them sorts of stuff, which was, that, that was quite interesting. But a lot of it is, it's a long day. At the end of the day, your hands are killing. You're blistered up, you're tired, and there's no pat on the back, if that makes sense. It's just like, oh, yeah, yeah, good job. As in, yeah, you've done your job, but there was no, don't know, no reward, really. Yeah. Apart from when you send an invoice in. <laughs> <laughs> and that all comes a little bit later. Um, I mean, what do you think to how World Superbikes changed since you were both there, I suppose? Neil, you're, you're still there all the time, I know. Um, we've talked about when we spoke to Alex Lowe's here, but what do you think about the state of play in world superbikes at the moment as a, as former champions? Uh, uh, you know, honestly, I haven't been in that paddock in forever. I, I don't, I don't think I've been back I, maybe one time since I left that paddock, uh, just to go spectate, but now it, it's way different. Uh, it, just simply because for me, you've got, You've got a control tire. You've got electronics. You know, we didn't have any of that back then. It was all right wrist and 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 trying to extract the most out of what you had to work with. Now, with the and the same with MotoGP. I mean, the more electronics you have, the uh, the more you have to tune that. Get your bike set up. Get the electronics. There's there can be a second in the electronics if you get everything right. And if it's bad, it's horrible. So it's uh, I don't know. It's just different than it was. Yeah, I think I think they've been so lucky with what's happened with this with the virus because this year on paper looks so exciting. It was an interesting round one, uh, but that said, you can't always go off a, a Phillip Island race because yeah. sometimes you know bunch the field up. But the return of Honda it was massive. The last time they fielded a, a full factory team was with Colin back in two thousand and two. You know, so we've got them this year with two riders. BMW, you know, it, going into their second or third year. Um, full factory team. Obviously, Yamaha with 
new teams as well. So there was like four really good riders. Obviously, Kawasaki with their two riders, obviously Alex and uh, Johnny Ducati. It just, on paper, it looked like, I'll tell you what, we could be on for a really, really good year. And then obviously, everything's been spoiled. But but like we'd said right at the beginning, potentially they will they will still race anyway. So we'll uh, it'll just be a, a much shorter season. But I, I think, I think it'll be interesting to see how uh, COVID-19 will affect the, the Superbike paddock because it, it, I feel like it was just clearly got, it got its head above water and it was, it was really healthy. And now, unfortunately, with this, you, the fear is that some of the manufacturers might just turn the tap, or just turn it back down a little bit and mm. just focus on MotoGP. I hope not, obviously. Um, I always think, um, Colin, about about you when we were talking about Johnny Ray and we had Johnny Ray on and we were speaking to him about his opportunities that he got from Honda. He rode for Honda for years and obviously never won the championship, but won races for them and was promised constantly to come over to, to Grand Prix and it never happened. You, you almost, I'm not saying you got the same treatment, but everyone had always expected you to, to be coming across, oh, Colin's going to be the next factory Honda guy. And obviously, when you had then made the switch over to, to Grand Prix, it was on the Aprilia. That was a, a funny time. How how let down did you feel at the time? Yeah, it was... Man, that was such a weird a weird little exchange that happened there because I knew before the last race at Imola that the Honda program wasn't going to exist. So I had a contract signed with Ducati. Uh, you know, Honda didn't have anything for me. Um and so I was going to ride, you know, factory uh, Ducati World Superbike contract was signed, sealed, delivered. And then after the race, um, I get a phone call from Honda saying, hey, what about if we do Bridgestones on the Konica Minolta team? I guess that Tomata uh, took over. And they wanted me to go do that. And that was that was their first option for me. I thought, man, you want me to go develop? some tires that we don't even know um and i just didn't feel like that was the right move and then money came into play and it wasn't near enough money so i was like no nah, that's not gonna work and then uh aprilia called and they brought three boatloads of money and, and <laughs> so i was like well and they wanted michelin because they were on dunlop the year before so they said, if you can get Michelin, if you can con them into it, because I had a really tight relationship with them, obviously, um, we would like to do this. So, okay, so I talked to Michelin and Nicholas Goubert, who was, he wasn't, yes. He didn't say yes to begin with. He was like, oh, it's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. Let me see what I can do. Um, and yeah, a few days later, he said, okay, if you want to do it, we'll support you. We'll, uh, we'll put Michelin on the approval. So then I had to go back to Ducati <laughs> and say, hey, uh, I know we have a contract, um, but I won't be out there on the grid anyways, so you don't really need me here to do anything. Can I go to the Aprilia? Can I go ride MotoGP? And we were all super polite. I mean, everybody was cool about it. And, uh, and Ducati basically, uh, Domenicali and, and uh, Tardozzi, and then they were like, hey, we don't want to get in the way of your future. Uh, we think you should be in Grand Prix as well. So we don't want to hinder that. But we do want an opportunity to uh, sign you in, a, in three years. Go in there, get, get a couple of years, get your feet wet, 
And basically, if you are as good as uh, you think you are, then we want you on. Yeah, we lost Colin there. I lost Neil as well. In fact, it was the moment my whole internet died and I had to switch on to 4G uh, because there was uh, no broadband coming into my house. So, yeah, I do apologise. I apologise for all the drops. Neil, obviously, you could see, was uh, a little bit sketchy and uh, some of the levels. Colin was further away the, from the microphone than Neil. Look, it, it's just what we're dealing with. We're not sound people. I managed to get back in touch with him anyway. Right, can you hear me now? Yeah. Right, yep. so I've had to go connect through 4G. My uh, whole internet's died. Yeah. Which is uh, great. How, how are you guys anyway? Are you having a nice time while I was away? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just talking about you, Gal. No. Absolute, <laughs> absolute utter wanker you are. Charming. Colin was saying, and I thought this was hard. She was saying, I tell you what, he's such a flaky presenter. <laughs> <laughs> Just always nervous, you know. <laughs> Yeah, he's forgetting what to say. I'm sure. Well, I was, I was um, looking forward to him saying how he'd have been a better Ducati rider than the chap who was riding factory Ducati in 2003. <laughs> well, That's been, what I was looking forward to. We would, we would have been teammates because I, I, I said I was told, uh, oh, uh, Edwards as the Italians call Colin. Edwards, Edwards you were be... Oxen and Edwards always. <laughs> Oxen and Edwards. Ed, Edwards will be your teammate. I'm like, oh fuck, yeah. Obviously, I, 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 po- I poke a face. They went, yeah, no problem. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, like <laughs> inwardly, I'm thinking, oh shit, I could do without that. <laughs> when uh, and 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 then when they told me the good news, they went, oh, there's been a change, and uh, you, what, Colin is going to MotoGP. I'm like, oh right, and uh, your teammates will be Ruben's house. I thought. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Not rubbing your hands at that. Hey, Colin, when you cut, cut off before, you were saying that um, in 2000, what, you had three, they were giving you a couple of years. So there was a chance then of joining the Ducati project. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was kind of my way out of the world superbike. They said, okay, we'll, we'll let you out, but we want an opportunity uh, in a few years, get to let you get your feet wet and MotoGP. And um, but then they found Stoner, and I was kind of off the hook. So it, it all worked out. Everybody was happy. It did all work out in the end uh, for you. How do you look back on your time in in Grand Prix racing, Colin? Because obviously you were so successful. You were in there and up towards the sharp end all the time. But how do you look back at it? Well, and you know something that I forget, and a lot of people forget is my first race on a MotoGP bike, I was 29 years old. Um, mm. So I was already, let's say, up there. And I don't know if you want to say past my prime, but it. when I got over there, I didn't think I was past my prime. I was ready to go. So it uh, it was just tough, to be honest. I mean, it, it was not a world superbike. I had to readjust my whole braking style uh, with the carbon brakes. That took... A little while to materialize um but it was it was tough and i, I always say you know riding a motor gp bike like riding a bar stool and your your super bike's like sitting on the couch so it was uh it was a new world and uh, you just had to adapt the best you could well you obviously you, adapt, you did your time didn't you there because you were still there for another 10 11 years was it yeah yeah i, I, I was fortunate for sure and I, obviously um, 
you know, Valentino wanted me to be his teammate in 05. So we did three years there. Um, and then Irve, that I was really fortunate, honestly, with Yamaha US uh, because Yamaha US paid my bill, let's say. Mm. Um, 2008, 9, 10, uh, and Irve, I, I think it. Irve paid in 11. But anyways, three years in a row, Irve was happy to have me. Um, I was a, a good team player on the team. We had some good results, a couple pole positions and some podiums throughout. Um, but yeah, Yamaha US, they, they, I was really thankful for them for, for paying the bill. What, what was it like being Rossi's teammate? That's what people want to know because obviously it's bloody Valentino Rossi, you know, the <laughs> enigma that is. What on earth was he like? The real Valentino behind the scenes. Obviously, we all, I don't know Valentino at all. You know, I see, I see him and you, we've all seen the, the TV Valentino, but what's the real Rossi like? Man, honestly, I think, I think what, what he portrays through the TV is very similar to who actually is. He doesn't, He's not a not an asshole behind closed doors or anything like that. I mean, he's just an all around good dude. Um, but yeah, being his teammate to to get back to, I, it was understood it, verbally as, hey, we're not we're not putting you in this team to win. That's not the main goal here. We're putting you in this team to have harmony, have a really good uh, relationship. You have a good relationship with Valentino help him out, he helps you out, we get this bike going, but yeah, you're, you're, we're not hiring you to win, which if Valentino's hurt, then yes, go ahead and win. So it was, it was already understood. And like I said, at that time I was 31. So I was looking for a, a killer paycheck and, and be a, be a great teammate. Yeah. Was there, was there any moments though then, let's say that, that season or those, the, the seasons you were Valentino's teammate, that you was in a race and you had to roll off ever so slightly? Or was it just a case of, well, actually, I couldn't beat him anyway, so it didn't really yeah, matter? Yeah, well, most of the time is I couldn't beat him anyways, <laughs> to be honest with you. The only time I was uh, last race in Valencia where, where, uh, where Nicky... Oh, man... Is that me again? And to figure out if I needed to go back and give him another point or two. Um, but at the end of the day, he didn't, he couldn't, it wouldn't have mattered. So it, uh, yeah. it wouldn't have mattered. I've, I've actually got quite a big confession to make. I've never, I don't think I've ever said this to public before. Are you two ready? Yep. Are you ready, Gav? Go on. All through my career, well, except one year, I was under team orders. All you know, <laughs> could have won so many, could, could have won so many more races, but just had to just had to back off, you know. But but I tell you what, I did it for so many years. I was bloody good at it. You wouldn't spot it. You think actually, I was just riding a bit average, but but I knew. So, but luckily in 2003, I was given the green light, so I just went. Oh, that's, you know. Just want me to know that. Don't forget. Don't you two? Don't ever forget that. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm, we, we, I'm we, calling we... bullshit on that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm with Colin. <laughs> I'm with Colin. Yeah. I've got a question yeah. then about um, about Valentino as someone yourself, and you were nearly were you nearly forty or forty when you re retired from racing in the end, Colin? Obviously, you kept 
testing and to get riding after that. But Valentino, it looks more and more likely like he might go and do this Patronus ride. That that's you know the, there's all sorts of things going on behind the scenes, and he says if he's going to do it, it's because he still feels competitive. What's what's keeping him going? Do you think? Because it's not money. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. his skin. It's gonna he's gonna serious gambling issue. Now, do you guys not know this? No, no, go on. That's a joke, by the way. Go on, go on, Cole. Uh, no, I mean, hey, hats off to him if he can keep going, keep going. It. Uh, but I think you have to look at all. The factors he he uh, he's not married yet, is he? No. Yes, yeah, no. so and not married. No kids that he knows of. Anyways, <laughs> his his whole life is has been motorcycles and winning world championships and being who he is. Hell, I mean, I say keep going, keep going until he tells yeah. you you can't go anymore. No wonder he looks so young and happy. Not married. <laughs> he's not with <laughs> kids. Bloody hell. <laughs> He's nobody's fool, is he? It didn't, eh? it didn't work yeah. for me, did it? <laughs> I don't know. Look like a yeah, bottom of a bin bag here. Um, Which don't hey, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying anything about wife or kids. I love them. I don't think too late. Them, too late. Don't stop. <laughs> he has he has nothing nothing taking it any time. Yeah, but, yeah, but don't worry, Colin. I don't think Alicia, your beautiful wife, is going to be listening to our podcast. <laughs> no, I'm just waiting for the gals that are listening to Slayton. <laughs> yeah, oh, there must have been some times, some stories between you and him, and nights you'd had, and times that you'd had out post Suzuka or something like that. Because that that you rode with him a couple of times at Suzuka, didn't you? Yeah, that was that's basically where we met. 2000. Uh, Suzuka at the tab did a couple tests there, um, and then yeah, just hit it off immediately. You know, I mean, Suzuka it's pretty easy to get make friends because you're kind of stuck in a hotel and, and the same restaurant, and oh, we uh, the old log cabin as it was. Yeah, yeah, log cabin. So it was fairly easy, and we all just hung out together and, and you know ate at the Italian restaurant and. And uh, became friends pretty quick. Uchio was there. Albi, his friend, was there. So we all just kind of did our own thing. It was it was fun. Good times. It, but, you know, it's, it is Japan. It's it's boring. You're just at the hotel or at the racetrack. Um, and now, how are you finding TV? Man, I love it. It's, you know, just don't say a few select four letter words and <laughs> do you know what that was my clean. that was my biggest worry because i've done interviews with you over the years and it was always like don't worry just get the bleep button at the ready you'll be fine i remember my first actually one of my first interviews with you it was i'm pretty sure it was south africa uh 2003 and yeah. I, I went to you on the grid and it was the first time i would come to speak to you and i was doing pit lane it was one of the first races i was doing pit lane i think and you told me how it was hard as dog's balls on the grid. <laughs> I <remember> thinking, <laughs> right, here we go. And so I always thought when you were going to do TV that we were going to have to work. But actually, there's not even been anywhere close, has there? Where we've no. had to get the bleep button out. No, I don't I don't think I've slipped up once yet, knock on wood. It, uh, but, you know, I, I, I treat the, the TV stuff like I'm talking to my kids. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't swear around my kids. Uh, so it's just... It's kind of the clean version, um, but uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. It, I thought it would have slipped up a number of times. But it's, it keeps, I think it keeps you going. I it? think. Uh, Go yeah. on, Neil. Sorry. I think. 
No, I, I think Colin doesn't swear too much, but he gets to the point in the day, near the end of the day, where it looks like he's drinking a wa- some water out of a water bottle. But I tell you, I've, I've tried that water and it's it tastes just like vodka to me, but I don't know. I think that helps. The important thing, the important thing is uh, whether it's the Tito's in the uh, water bottle or never uh, have the sip of the bottle of Coke that you think is oh. out on the on the desk. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm holding the, I'm holding a bottle of Coke right now and there's not Coke in it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Explain so, that one, Gav. Yeah. So, what's it called, Colin? The the chewing stuff. Red Seal Natural Long Cut, baby. <laughs> uh, hashtag. <laughs> uh, please, please put tobacco on your gums responsibly. I don't know what they say. I don't know how it works. But yeah. and so he, Colin always has like a, a bottle spittoon, effectively, isn't it? Like a transportable spittoon, and uh, it sits on the desk sometimes. And you sat there commentating. You're like, oh, what's that? <laughs> what's that? Yeah, it's it's a it's a bad habit. Trust me. My my wife tells me about it all the time. <laughs> It's always never pick up the, the empty can of Coke that's on the desk or anything. No, definitely not. Do you think we're ready for the quick fire round, Gav? Are we there? Or? Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm more than ready for it. I'm just right. hoping we stay online. I've dropped out a couple of times in the middle of the conversations, which I have to apologise to people at home about. My internet's obviously died today, so uh, that's great. So, Colin, we've come pretty much near to the end of the podcast. Um, everything you've heard before has just been small talk, really. The, the main okay. questions are, you, it's a quick fire round. I've got five questions and it's just so people get to know you a little bit more. But it's, it's I like to think it's the main I event. mean, yeah, the thing is, this quick fire round initially started as one or two questions. It's now turned into five yeah. and a whole segment. I know. I'm, so I'm <laughs> I know. starting to query the, uh, I'm going to have to speak to my manager about this, the agent. No, the, I, I'm just going off feedback and the right. feedback I'm getting from the the. The three people that have messaged me have said, <laughs> please, can Gav just do it on his own? No. So, first question, Colin. As a, as a kid, whose poster did you have on your wall in your bedroom? Uh, David Bailey. Oh, nice one. The uh, the legendary Supercross motocross champion. Yeah, and not the, got the photographer. Paralyzed. Yeah. Not the, yeah, not the photographer. Um... Over the years, you've been racing or do, just out and about on bikes. It could be it could be racing. It could be messing around with mates. What's the craziest stroke, most impressive thing you've ever seen? Oh. It's tricky on that. That is tricky. Um, honestly, I would say the boot camp crew, uh, my guys here, completing the Baja 1000. That was yeah. by far the craziest thing we've ever thought we could do. We did it, tick it off the bucket list, never doing it again. It was nuts. Who yeah. whose idea was that in the first place? Was it Mike? You know, you know Mike yeah. Myers, crazy Mike here. Yeah, he wants to do Perry Descartes in a couple of years. I'm like, dude, you're crazy. I don't. <laughs> I, well, what's what's going on here? But yeah, he talked us into it. Yeah. What is your favorite drink? I think I know the answer. Um, yeah, pretty much anything with Tito's in it. Tito's, yeah. Tito's, Tito's, Tito's. Hey, you guys want a bit of Tito's? <laughs> That's you our love... end of the day treat. Colin's like, you want a bit of Tito's? Yeah, the hey, problem with I, it. Honestly, I've mixed it with everything under the sun, just whatever you can find. 
the problem is when he's always trying to throw it down my gullet, it's bloody neat. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. Hang on, it's neat and it's warm. You know, like it's been in a water bottle. I'm like, nah, call me old fashioned. That's not really how I don't have my vodka. <laughs> um, next question. Um, you've invited me around to your house. Obviously, obviously this is never going to happen, so don't worry, Colin. Um, you've invited me around to, to your house uh, with your family, and you, not Alicia, you're going to cook me a three course meal. I want you to talk me through what you're going to cook me. Oh, let's see. Um... It'll probably be some uh, broccoli in the oven with some Tony's on it. Uh, get a little spicy and throw some chicken on. Yeah, what what's Tony's? Like I think well, Tony like toenails. Tony Sachery. It's like a little spice thing. Um, broccoli in the oven. Get it a little crunchy. Uh, mashed potatoes and chicken on barbie. Sounds well weird. It's weird, but it's delicious. Right. And then the starter was crawfish etouffee. All right. Okay. It's a, it's kind of a Louisiana southern All right, okay, yeah, dish. Yeah. Yeah. Bugs. Sounds good. And right. Then, oh, sorry. Go on. We gotta we gotta hit dessert real quick. Yeah, uh, go on. Do you know what I like? What do you like? Love, love spotted dick. <laughs> <laughs> God, I'm 12 years old, aren't I? I'm giggling to myself. I'll figure out how to make it, and I'll, I'll get you some spotted dick down your throat. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Things you never thought you'd hear, Colin. Words coming out of Colin Edwards' mouth. Well, you hoped. You hoped. Um, you, you're going go to you're gonna go to a club, or I don't know if you go to clubs, or a bar with uh, you going and you, you can invite three people with you three riders um current or retired who's who's your three guys you want to take with you what do you mean three riders like they have to be famous well the the story's a bit shit if you go brian from down the road he rides <laughs> yeah, with yeah, me yeah, yeah, yeah. um okay. eric uh, the painter and decorator so you know what i mean yeah yeah i hear you i hear you <laughs> Colin. Oh. All right, let's see. Um, who does it have to be three? Yeah, it's only three. Three. Um, let's say uh, Haji. You're always a fun, a fun, fun guy. Oh, uh, you're just so kind. Uh, let's say you, um, Valentino, and no, why not Bayless? Yeah, that sounds good. That'd be yeah, good. We, that'd be fun. That'd be good. I like that. Right. Well, the last question is. Over the years, you've raced against lots of people, loads of riders. Think of all those riders you've raced against. You know, you raced for 20-odd years. I mean, incredible. And motocross. But who is your favorite rider that you raced against in the past uh, that now you work with on BT Sports? (laughs) I can repeat the question if necessary. I'm going to go Neil Hodgson. What? Oh. <laughs> I think it's. I think it cut out again there. <laughs> that was the one time. Yeah, one time it hasn't. They're getting cut out. worse. They're getting worse, I aren't mean, they? These I'm are just, these are I'm niche. Just, I actually hate myself now. I hate myself. I'm just such a dick. Niche questions, <laughs> aren't they? Yeah. 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 What uh, an app. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that's you. 
definitely not Colin. Um, right, Colin, we're going to let you get back to do some more um, prepping of uh, Hayes's bike. Yep, it needs it. It's been fun, fellas. No, it's been good yep. to talk to you. Good to have a little catch up, actually. And uh, hopefully we get to have another one soon. You know, like, and we're talking about MotoGP. Yeah, well, y'all keep me in the loop because I obviously have my nose down buried in a YZ85 most of the day. So if any news does break, I probably won't get it. So right. keep me up to date. We'll WhatsApp you. We'll let you know. Sounds good. Send uh, cool. all our best to Alicia and to the girls and to Hayes as well. All right, we'll yep. do. Y'all be good. Hope the families, everybody's healthy. Take care, mate. Look after all yourself. Right. See you, Carl. We'll see you. See ya. Oh, you know what, Neil? I miss I miss Colin. I do. Oh, I miss. It's yeah. so I do love when we have him at, at the races because, um, as you said, what we what the thing is, we he doesn't stay with us. He likes to stay on site, doesn't he? With his uh, with Paul, who we mentioned, who runs a lot of the motorhomes, and he stays on site just because he gets a bit of a lie in. So it's it's actually sometimes we don't get to to hang out as much as we normally would, but it's always good, isn't it? Yeah, whenever you get a chance to hang out with Colin, it. Uh... It's it's a laugh in it, but it's it's nice to catch up. I tell you what, bloody hell, his lad sounds quick. Yeah, yeah. Well, like, we've seen serious. him. We saw him. How old was he? About eleven, twelve. When he might have been younger. When we were at the boot camp, and how quick yeah. he was then. Colin, as you said, Colin always was trying to encourage him to do baseball. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like yeah, you're not going to get injured, and I, I, I'm not going to have to spend hundreds of thousands of pounds trying to trying to help you on the way. But if he's at where he's at already, I mean in his first season of racing, imagine he's racing against kids that have been racing like he did since he was, they were three years old. If he's at that level, he'll get, he'll get like a pro contract, like a motocross contract with someone. And then like, he's on his way then. The only downside to it is, is it's so bloody dangerous. Motocross is brutal, especially the American motocross because they do the outdoors and, Mm. and the, all the supercross. Bloody hell. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'd want my son doing it all joking apart, you know, because it is brutal. It is brutal, but well, I hope, good luck I hope, to Hayes. I hope people uh, enjoyed hearing from Colin, um, and he is exactly what he says on the tin, isn't he? He just yeah, he, what yeah, you see yeah. is what you get from Colin completely, and uh, I do apologise for some of the dropouts in the middle of it. I know there'll be bits that won't make sense uh, when I edit this later, but my internet's gone a bit uh, squiffy today. So I'm running this off 3G. Neil's, Neil dropped out a few times, sounded like a robot. Um, so he's out of the house. So it's not been a good one, technically speaking, Neil, but the bits that we heard of Colin, great. <laughs> yeah, great. No, probably technically that's the worst one we've done to say, but we've just had a bit of bad luck, haven't we? But uh, no, well, always a pleasure I mean, in catching up with Colin. Guy, so. Guy Martins was harder one. Yeah, that's, that was the worst, wasn't it, really, for connection. Uh, right. Uh, well, you. I hope you're allowed back in the house. Please shut the door when you go into the toilet, Neil. Yeah, I know. I, I'm out it's of order. It's not on. It's not I on. Know. It's not. I'm out of order. In fact, in fact, when we share an apartment in um, in Australia, yeah, I do it there as well. Do it I? there. Yeah. I know. And I can. And I it wakes me up. Door open. I know. In fact, was that we were watching the rugby World Cup semi final yeah. last year, and you were doing it then with the door open. That seems like a long time ago, doesn't it? Bloody hell. Um, anyway, so yeah, for, for Vic's sake, come on. Our I know, colleagues I know, do I not know, need I to know. hear you getting out your little pipe cleaner. Pecker. 
getting out your spotted dick. Right. <laughs> hey, we've got Colin to say it. I was happy with that. <laughs> Is that all you were after? <laughs> yeah, obviously. Brilliant. Obviously. Uh, right, you goon. I will uh, speak to you all soon. Right. Apologies, everyone, again for this sound. But we do our best, you know. It's all part of the charm. <laughs> so they say. Right. Um, so that's it. Cheers, Neil. All right, cheers, Gav. Take it easy, mate. Okay. Thanks look, for listening, everyone. You look after Bye. yourself, won't you? And yeah, just, uh, and you. Send my best to Vic. I will do. All right. Yeah, you said... Oh, oh, I forgot. What? Yeah, I nearly forgot. I love you, Gav. Nearly forgot. Bloody hell. Just don't feel wanted. Yeah. See you. Bye. Bye. Yo. Well, it sounds like you're you've got you're squeezing a hamster or something in the background. No, that was uh, I don't know what it was. It could have been a pheasant, in fact, or something like that. Some what? wild animal in your house. Do you not keep pheasants in your house? Um, no, not since the um, it, God, issue it is with grim- the police that time. It's grim up north, isn't it? I, f- I forgot what it's like for you. Have you been out? To, what do they do? Beat them, don't they? They're beating the what do they do? Beat the trees so they all fly up in the air. Yeah, I'm a beater. I have a new job. A beater. You're always be- you're always beating what? off, aren't you? What? You are. What? Um, can you hear me all right, first of all? Yeah, um, you sound a fraction echoey. Right. It's it Basically, I've just had um, my whole system's just died on me. And I'm right. like, oh, I can't believe this. So I was just uh, talking to Gabriella. And, yeah. Um, Everything suddenly went like her. She couldn't call me on FaceTime anymore. And it was just like this weird um, silence that was gone around as well. So it was a bit of a bizarre one. So I'm just trying to get the level sorted for you. Do you just talk to me, please? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I've been wandering around. I'm outside now, actually. Oh, yeah, Um, right. Yeah, sunbathing. Are you using headphones? Yes. Take them out. Why, can you hold it like a normal phone? Or can is I? That, yeah. Is that going to be an issue? Because it's going to be an no, hour long. I, well, I can do it like that if you want me to. Do you want me to try it? Uh, yeah. I was thinking, I wonder if you'd use the microphone. Like is that any better? I'm now using it like a normal telephone. Yeah, How does that sound? Yeah, it sounds good. Right.